You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Hello, my fellow traveler, and welcome to another episode of Travel Talk Weekly. This is show number 52, original air date October 6th, 2020. And thank you for tuning in this week as we talk about a question that has been coming up a lot lately. When can we finally get back to cruising? Oh, the irony. Because we would be on a cruise right now, literally this very week. I know. I'm so sad. Sad face over here. But we're also going to talk about something that is unique about our city here in Florida and maybe to yours as well. I think this will be a very knowledgeable podcast today. I think it will be. That's what we're, I mean, that's what we talked about. That's what we're going for. (laughs) Are you ready to fly somewhere, anywhere right now, or at least in the near future? We have a pro tip that not only we give to our clients, but also one that we use ourselves. All that and more on episode number 52 of Travel Talk Weekly. So get ready for your weekly travel fix and tips. I will say it is pretty crazy this is show number 52 because that means we have a full year in the books. I know. Well, almost. We did start and launch the show with three episodes. So we're almost at the one year mark. You're right. It was right around Halloween. And since it is October, October is normally, <laughs> again, 2020 be a little crazy. Yeah, there's nothing normal about 2020. October is National Cruise Month. And this year, it's way different. Because right now, we would normally be really busy. Now, and then like the first month or so, maybe like January-ish into February, are some of our busiest times when it comes to booking cruises. Yeah. So October is usually when they have some crazy awesome deals that come out. And hopefully they will still. And yeah, well, you know, I've seen a few, but it is nothing like it was even a year ago or the previous, you know, 15 years. Like it's never been before. Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. Again, there are a few that are out there, but yeah, this month, I think the cruise industry is kind of like, hey, get a cruise booked, but they're kind of being low-key about it. Low-key? What was that? That was an emphasis on (laughs) low-key. When it comes to cruising, I really don't understand why it's taking so long to get back open. And I would put that in the same category as Disneyland. Open everything back up. If you want to go, go. If you don't, stay home. I totally get that. But we predict that When the cruise lines open, they will have a reduced capacity, and I'm way okay with that. I am too. I actually think it will be really nice. For us personally, we had three cruises this year that were canceled. We probably would have had at least one or two more in there. I would have put a few more on the books. Yeah, so we had our Disney cruise in March, that be gone, a Royal Caribbean cruise with friends in April, and the one that hurt the most is the one we're supposed to be on right now, and that is our Azamar cruise that was going to be happening over from Greece where were we headed? We were going to we were going Greece. from Athens, Greece, up yeah. the Dalmatian coast. See, I've tried to block it out of my I know, mind. We're going to stop <laughs> in a couple places in Croatia. We were going to go to uh, Slovenia, which we've never been. We we're going to stop in Koper. So this was a seven night cruise from Athens to Venice, and we were going to do a post stay in Italy. It's gone. Poof. Goodbye. <laughs> and it would have been a, a, a list of firsts yeah. for both of us. It would have been our first time to Athens, Greece, which is crazy. Plus, we're going to come in a few days early to experience even more of Greece because our only other time in that country was just a really short stay in Corfu. 
Yeah, and I was most excited about a couple of other places we were going to stop that we had never been to because we love exploring new destinations. And one of them was an evening stay in Coper, Sylvania. We talked about this on a previous show. We I did think a whole it was show like, on this cruise. I know. And that's where Osmar had their special event planned and their other two ships would have been there. So it would have been like the three sisters all that's, coming together. And that's together. what we called it, the three sisters cruise. Now, thankfully, I did find out from our from Lionel, our, our, our contact over at Osmar, they are going to re not really, I guess, not they really are reschedule. Rescheduled. They're redoing it. They're redoing. Well, they're, they're going to do it. They're moving it. It's not until. I know. It's two years. It's 2022. 2022. I was like, I cannot plan that far out. That's so crazy. I was reading an article on one of the travel sites the other day. It said 73% of people that took a cruise within the last year would cruise right now if they could. And we are totally in that category. If we could go right now, we would. I actually would love the reduced capacity that they're talking about. I mean, we've loved it over at Disney. The cruise lines absolutely want to sell at 100% capacity, and they often run those last minute specials to make sure they do. However, with everything going on, there are some things that are kind of changing. So I think having a ship that's only 70% filled would be so awesome. Think of it this way. Some of the biggest ships can carry over 6,000 people. And by people, I mean passengers. That's not even the crew. Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas, which was the biggest ship when it first launched, they can carry 5,484 people at double occupancy, but a maximum capacity of 6,780 guests. That is massive. Now, let's just use 6,000 as the number. At 70%, which seems to be the numbers being talked about, the number of guests would only be 4,200. And that's a big difference on a ship that size. I can't imagine a ship that big with only 4,200 guests. You could do everything you want because that, and we toured the Allure, her sister ship, which what we found out was a few centimeters longer just so they could say Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. (laughs) And we, we toured it for a couple hours, including a lunch, and there's just no way. I don't even think you could go on a seven-night cruise and see everything that's on that ship. I would agree. Now, the ship that we were going to go on for our cruise out of Tampa was Brilliance of the Seas, which I found out today, and I'm super excited about this. They're bringing back that same very, very unique itinerary that goes from Tampa to the Bahamas. Usually, out of Tampa, you go to Cosmo. Oh, and it goes to Key West, too. And it goes to Key that's, West. That's why we like it. Yeah, so we're super excited about that. But this particular ship, it's a smaller one, and it has a capacity of 2,500 passengers. So at 70%, they would only carry 1,750 passengers. I don't know of a cruise that we've been on, and we've been on 30 plus. That is crazy. Well, we've been on a lot of cruises and a lot of different cruise lines, and I don't know any that have sailed with that low of a percentage of guests. Even our Thanksgiving cruise last year, that ship wasn't full, but it was more than 70%. Absolutely. And that's also a really good reason to get a cruise on the books right now. Yeah. So as of this week, and I'm sure new announcements will always be coming out, but once the date that we recorded this, Carnival was the first to announce that they had canceled all cruises through the end of the year from every port except for Miami and Port Canaveral. And some of these cruise lines are, they're selling ships. Like, I think they're probably so cheap right now, we could almost buy a cruise ship. I know. Like, okay, so we got married on the Carnival Inspiration. That'd be gone. They sold it. I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't Oh, yeah, that. that was in the, the ones that 
were sold. So yeah, we can't go back on that one. Okay, so why did we not put an offer in on that? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure they're selling them outside of our budget. Maybe a tiny bit. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> now here's something though, is some people, they may not be comfortable cruising in November and December. Kind of depends on how the numbers are and how things go. And if you would like us to take your spot for a small discount. <laughs> it's not that easy. But what Carnival is doing is they are allowing you if you like, let's say you're one out of Miami and you're going to November and you're like, you know what, eh, my cruise isn't canceled, but I'm not comfortable. They're still going to let you take whatever it is that they're offering to all those other cruise ships around the country that have been canceled. So I think it's a good balance. And I also think they're doing that because they need to get their numbers down in terms of maximum capacity during this time. We don't know what that is because nobody has talked about nobody it. Nobody will tell us. Yeah. It's so, I mean, Carnival was the first one to put that that notice out, though, about canceling and only allowing sailings from Miami or Port Canaveral. And I will say that does pain me a little because we live in Tampa. It's like, get Port Tampa Bay back open. I would go on a cruise. Like if they said, hey, Rob, you need to be here by 8 o'clock tonight, I'd be like, I'm in. Let's go. I know, Let's right? Let's do it. The Royal, the Royal Caribbean brands extended their cruise with confidence. Let me kind of paraphrase that, Royal Caribbean brands. The Royal Caribbean brands are, of course, Royal Caribbean, but also Celebrity, the aforementioned Azamara, which is the cruise we were going to be on this week, and also Silver Sea. So they extended their cruise with confidence, which basically will allow you to modify your cruise as much as 48 hours before you actually go. And it's really 72 yeah, it's really 72. They say 48, but you need to do it 72. So here's how this works is if you book a cruise by November 30th, you're not selling by November 30th, but let's say you're booking that cruise for spring break. You're just booking. Yeah, You're just booking. If you book it by November 30th, you're included in their cruise with confidence. And so they want to get people on the ships and get them back out there. But it's kind of nice because Let's say come spring break, you're like, you know what, we're still not comfortable. Or maybe your state has some weird restrictions because they're out there. 48 hours, but again, do 72 before you sail. You can say, you know what, we're not going to go. And what they'll do is they'll give you 100% future cruise credit for whatever you paid. You don't get a refund, but you get a future cruise credit. So you're really not out the money. You're just kind of delaying it. It it. doesn't sound, it's actually better than it sounds. because Oh my gosh, I'm not going to get to go, but I can use that money in the future. In the past, you would not get your money back if you were, you know, you yeah, had to be paid. 100% penalty. You were, in, you were in, in penalty mode, which means you would not get your money back. So, and that was usually about 60 days out. So now you get to go up to, you know, a couple of days out and say, yeah, yeah, I don't want to go and still take all that money and just carry it forward. Now, I do expect some of the other cruise lines to follow Carnival's lead just a little bit and say, okay, we're going to open up sailings from these particular ports. But I'm a little surprised that nobody else has announced anything because Carnival hasn't been the leader on all the changes all the time. And both Royal Caribbean and Norwegian are working together to get cruising back. So maybe that's why we haven't heard an announcement from either one. Yeah, they became like cruising buddies during this whole thing. They're like on task force together and they're kind of operating as one entity in a way. It's and, interesting. And also, I heard they also go to happy hours together all the time. They, they probably do. Uh, virtually, of I mean, I mean, Virtually. No, all, all of the, virtually. Cru- all the cruise lines, well, except for a few, most of them are based down in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So yeah. they definitely know each other. They talk. It's kind of like, like competing sports teams. You're in the same area, same market. You're in the same business. You guys talk to each other. Now, Disney, they have canceled all their cruises through, it's like mid-December. So Disney just kind of does their own thing. I'm crying a little bit on that one. Well, I think that they're really hopeful they'll be able to start sailing in 
Christmas season, because that is actually one of the most popular weeks of the year. That and New Year's are the top two weeks for sailing. And that's also probably the top two weeks that you and I avoid going because it's so busy. Yeah, because it's so busy. But think about this, though. It's 70%. I would totally go Christmas and New Year's I know, right? I think that would be really, really cool. Why don't we do that for, because I know we're going to be gone, you know, for next year, Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be with Adventures by Disney in New Zealand. How about this year we find a cruise and just say, let's go. Let's give it and a shot. And that would be your Christmas present. If, if cruising is still back up and, and running, and that I, could be really fun. And I'll buy you a card. Will you? I'll get you a At card. Least yeah. a card? At least a card. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So when they do start up, things will be different. Aside from trying to have a reduced capacity, I think one of the things that they may require is for anybody who is sailing to have a negative COVID test. Because if you think about it, many of the countries that they're going to visit, whether it's the Bahamas or somewhere in the Caribbean, they're already requiring tests for you to visit them. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the cruise lines are like, you know what, we need to do that. They'll have their staff, their employees taking tests on a regular basis. It's going to be very watched once it starts reopening. Well, well, you know, it'll also give their guests a little more peace of mind. I, I, I totally get it. I personally just don't want to have to take a test because. If I test negative for COVID, then that should mean I don't need to wear a mask and social distance. So pick so pick one. Either if I take a test, I don't need a mask. If I don't want to take a test, I'll wear a mask. Pretty easy. And here's what I think they should do. Because there's some people out there, we've talked to a lot of people, that they just want to get out and they want to go. Maybe they just want to be on a cruise ship to get away from everything. And they don't want to stop at each port. Because a lot of times when you're doing the Caribbean cruises, we've been to these ports you know, dozens Nassau. of times. Nassau. Like, <laughs> how do I know you're going to bring up Nassau? And so we really don't care about going ashore in some of these places. So maybe if it's Nassau, you say, you know what? I don't want to go ashore, so I don't care about the COVID test. And you put something on their you know, sign and sail card, room key, whatever you want to call it, that says, oh, this person tested negative. They can get off the ship. This person did not. They have to stay on the ship. And I think that would probably get more people that just – for whatever reason, don't want to take the test. That could be interesting. I don't know how you can monitor that, though. Well, you present the document, and then they put something on your sign and sail card so that if you try to get off the ship in Nassau, like, oh, sorry, you can't go. Well, before the whole shutdown, they were starting to take steps just to monitor guests getting on the ship. So they would do things like temperature checks, and they would ask the questionnaire. If somebody looked like they were too sick or whatever, they'd pull them aside so those things, I think, will continue, just like when we go to Disney and we go into the parks. They're going to take like our Disney. temperature. We take our temperatures every morning. I know. You're because obsessed we got the with new, that. <laughs> no, you do it. You're the one that grabs it because we have, we have the little... We have like one of the guns. One of the guns. Yeah. It looks exactly like the one at Disney, but we probably paid like, you know, 90% cheaper than Disney did. Oh, no. They they got the good ones. Ours probably isn't as good as theirs. It doesn't have to be that good just to take a temperature. So hopefully <laughs> Disney did not overpay for those. I would love to hear from you, though, and see if you're comfortable getting on a cruise ship right now. So hop over to our Instagram and tell us if you would cruise again if the cruise lines were opening up tomorrow. We should do a poll. Let's put a poll in there and let people answer I think it. I just did that. I think you did it verbally, but you have to physically <laughs> do it in the it will, It's It will be on the Instagram. Okay. One of this week's topics was inspired because of something I saw on TV. For whatever reason, I have no idea why, there were multiple shows about this literally the whole night. And so here's a little um, here's a little Travel Talk Weekly behind the scenes is that, you know, when Carrie and I, when we go to bed, we always have the TV on because we need sound. And usually what I'll try to do, I love the BBC channel when the whole night is going to be like nature shows. And I just put the nature shows on in the yeah, background. they're just very relaxing. Not when it's like and- Star Trek Deep Space Nine and all these other you know shows, but nature shows. And I think I, it might have been Smithsonian 
It was probably Smithsonian. It was something like that. Yeah. It was one of those channels. And I felt like part of the night I was dreaming about this particular place and about this subject we're about to talk about. And so that show, like I said, really, it got me to thinking, and I think you said the same thing. Got me thinking as well. I was just like, huh, you, you're kind of onto something here. Now, I will say up front on this topic that I think that Americans are super creative. They're inventors. They always come up with new and unique things on so many different standpoints, <laughs> but not always when it comes to the time for choosing a name for a city. So the topic of this TV show I was watching, or multiple TV shows, I should say, was the ancient city of Herculaneum. And it was then that I remember a city by that name that was about an hour away from where I grew up in St. Louis. Like A lot of you guys know I grew up in St. Louis. And about an hour south of St. Louis, down the banks of the Mississippi, is a town called Herculaneum. And you didn't know that there was a correlation before, huh? Well, I can tell you, I don't think I knew about the name Herculaneum until we had gone to Italy. I don't know, one of our, no, I had no idea there was any correlation. I'm like, oh, that's a cool name. You know, it is what it is. You never, (laughs) again, when I lived there, when you're younger, you don't really think of, wow, how do they come up with these names for cities? Yeah. So this particular city is actually named after a city in Italy that was completely buried in the year 79 AD, when Mount Vesuvius erupted. And everyone has heard of Pompeii, but not as many people have heard about Herculaneum. And then again, that I was almost laughing. I'm like, wait a minute. I do remember there was a city about an hour south of me because my some of my relatives lived in a town called St. Genevieve, and we would, we would pass Herculaneum on the way. So I don't think I knew about that city in general, the one in Italy, until we went to Pompeii back in 2015. So we were on a cruise, one of my favorites. I, this is definitely in Rob's top five, but our, the cruise we did on Star Clippers, and that was one of the excursions. The port stop was Sorrento, and you could take a trip, an excursion, to Pompeii, and we did. And if you ever get a chance, definitely go there. Do not miss it. It was not only incredible and humbling, but mind-boggling what the Romans were able to achieve 2,000 years ago. Yeah, really crazy. It's just interesting that there's a similar name in Missouri. That is, I know. And that's such an iconic city over in Italy. Now, there are some other sister cities. So, for example, we live in St. Petersburg, Florida. And then, of course, there's St. Petersburg, Russia. I don't know why our city is named St. Petersburg. I have no idea because when I was doing the research for this show, I was mostly focused on the other places we're talking about, (laughs) not our... Home Not our hometown. City. Okay. Okay. So hometown, I guess. I mean, we've, we've lived here forever. But there is one up the road that you found. Yeah. that And that is Dunedin, Florida. And this is, I think, probably one of my favorites because sometimes I'll, I'll hear someone on TV, not locally, but someone will mention it on TV, whatever it is. And when they call it Dunedin, I'm like, okay, they have no clue. Yeah. They have no no idea. So Dunedin, Florida, the sister city is Dunedin in Scotland. So yeah, there you go. Now the people over in Georgia, they're really not very clever. I think they just gave up. They're like, you know what? Oh, there's a city called this. (laughs) Yeah, grab it. Is it used? Yeah, why not? We'll take it. Yeah, so they got two over there. Athens, Georgia is of course named for Athens, Greece. But also Georgia has a city called Rome, Georgia. And yes, it was named after the very world famous city in Italy. And one of our agents actually, she's in Rome, a little bit outside of Rome, Georgia. The one in Georgia, yeah. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the city has no resemblance to Rome, Italy. None. Although we haven't been there, so we don't know. So if you could send us pictures of Rome, Georgia, 
And I, <laughs> I'm sure we could talk to her and she would do that, but I think what I would she like would to have do, to agree. I would like to see a picture of the Coliseum that's in Rome, Georgia. <laughs> I don't think there is one. We don't know. We haven't been there. We, you're just making stuff up. No, I think you are. <laughs> right when the United States was just getting started, we definitely were very uncreative in our names. And some of you may have been alive at that point. When you think about some of the most popular cities, in fact, one of the most popular in the world, New York. Did you know there's actually just a York? Yeah, and did you also know there's a York peppermint patty? Yeah, totally different. (laughs) Totally different. But yeah, no, it's like people came over to the United States and they're like, we're not calling it York. This is the New York. So in theory, we should be New St. Petersburg. Yeah, we should, in theory. But then you also have Hampshire. And over here in the U.S., we have... Old Hampshire. New New Hampshire. New, yeah. Oh, man. New Hampshire. I got that wrong. (laughs) And of course, Jersey Boys versus New Jersey Boys. I think it's just Jersey and New Jersey. That's what I meant. Yeah. And ironically, those are all real close to each other. So yeah, not a lot of creativity going on. I think they were probably working on a lot of stuff. They just got busy. They were not creative. Oh, Jersey? Yep. Okay, we'll be New Jersey. (laughs) So if you want to impress your friends and your family, and you live in one of those cities that is named for another place in the world, do a little history of where the original town is. And a little bit more about that. And you can say, huh, we're named after this really cool place. So ironically enough, I'm looking, as we're recording this, I'm looking across the bay at Tampa. There's actually a place in Tampa called New Tampa. Like, how do you name something new? I know, it's right next door. It's like, come on, guys, get creative. (laughs) Call it North New Tampa, really? Well, now here's where some of these names, though, really throw people off, is when they book a trip and they think they're going to, like, Rome. But actually, they're going to Rome, Georgia. And yeah, that could be a major vacation fail. Yeah, if you think you're going to go see the Colosseum in Rome, Italy, and you book a trip to Rome, Georgia, I got to say, that is just my little friend we call karma. (laughs) But speaking of booking a trip, we do have kind of a cool little pro tip for you. We just celebrated our anniversary this past week at Disney. And we've mentioned this before, especially on our Disney show, that October 1st is our anniversary, but it also happens to be the anniversary for Epcot and Magic Kingdom. Yeah, just ironically. We ironically didn't, We didn't plan enough. it that way. And, uh, and the Waldorf in Orlando. Uh, the difference is the Waldorf in Orlando, even though their anniversary is October 1st like ours, they actually opened their doors on the same day we got married. Yep. We're we twinners. Cle- we clearly did not get married in 1982 or in 1971 like the parks. No. (laughs) And so for our anniversary, we thought about going back to Mexico like we did for Carrie's birthday in July, which was amazing. And we even had a complimentary stay because it's one of our business partners down there in the Cancun area. But there were two things that made us say, you know what, we're going to delay that. And one was it was going to be $1,200 for a round trip flight for the two of us. So a total of $1,200, $600 apiece. And we could not fly direct from Tampa to Cancun. And we had done the stopover Miami for my birthday. And I was like... Not a fan. Not a fan. The layovers were horrible. And unless you wanted to pay like a ridiculous amount of money, it was like, nope, not going to happen. But $600 a ticket to get to Cancun, it's not that far. So whenever we can, we like to fly direct. And we really do not like connecting in Miami ever. No offense to Miami, we just don't like connecting there. So luckily JetBlue is starting direct flights to Cancun from Tampa starting in November, which means we will probably head back to Mexico before the end of the year and we will stay at the aforementioned resort. We're not going to mention them right now, but we will stay at a resort that we've never been to before. Yeah, I'm actually, I think that'll be really fun and having direct flights makes a big difference. Not only is it just easier and it's more time efficient, 
but the chances of your luggage not making it are decreased, which I think is massive. I like that. And you know, this is something that whenever we're booking flights for clients, the first thing I'm going to look for is what do we have that is a nonstop flight? Because those extra stops also put you at risk if there's like weather or if something changes where the airlines could be delayed. So very, very important. Whenever you look at flights, don't just shop by price. Your time is valuable. And so you want to also look and see what nonstop options do I have? And it's as simple as a Google search. I mean, flights.google.com is one of my favorite research sites when it comes to checking for airfare. Now, they don't include all the airlines, but they it's do a not. good well, starting I know, point. I know Southwest is not on there. Yeah, Southwest isn't on there. They'll list them, but then they'll just say, there's some Southwest flights. You'll have to check those out. Super important, though, to always try to get a nonstop flight. I don't care my, if you're my, just going like from Seattle to Florida. I don't care if I'm flying from Tampa to Orlando. I want a nonstop. <laughs> we don't like, fly from Tampa to Orlando. <laughs> like, why does Southwest not have direct flights to Cancun? Mind-boggling. So JetBlue, starting in November, you have our business to Mexico. I know. I'm looking forward to that. And what I really don't like is... Not as much the way down because you know you're kind of drinking and having fun, but on the way back you're hungover and going through. You're not always hungover. Not always. Stop. I mean, sometimes you're still drunk, but no. But when, you're tired from your you vacation. Go, and when you go, that's that's exactly what I meant. But when you have to go through customs in Miami, now this time it wasn't so bad because it was July and it was still relatively early in the. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of flights. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of flights, so it wasn't flight, as busy. Our flight was packed, and just you know, then going through customs in Miami. Is just a pain. I would much rather do it in Tampa, which, if you didn't already know this, is our favorite airport in the world. And Tampa actually has a ton of nonstop flights. Like they've they've worked their magic. They've tried to negotiate with lots of different airports all around the country to get nonstop flights into Tampa. So if you're looking for a beach vacation and you want to stay domestic, consider Tampa because there's a good chance there's a nonstop flight option for yes, you. Yes, consider Tampa as the airport. Not as the beach, because they're really... That is true. The yeah. beach You're going to go to Clearwater or St. Pete for yeah, the beach. Definitely Clearwater, St. Pete, all of the, the little tiny townships between St. Petersburg and Clearwater. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to airports, Tampa's always been our favorite. Obviously, we live here and we get that. But we also, because of what we've done for the last, you know, more than 10 years, we've experienced more airports than I even care to mention. Right. And it's funny when you say, you know, the nonstop flights. One of my Facebook memories this week was you and I sitting in the cockpit of a Lufthansa jet because they had hired us to film the one year anniversary of direct flights from Tampa to Frankfurt. And that was our first time to Germany. So ironically, as I'm writing this show, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was one of my Facebook memories. I know. And that was a big deal though, to do nonstop from Tampa to Frankfurt. That was amazing because Frankfurt's also like a big hub. So it's a huge hub yeah. for Europe. Yeah. So sometimes when you fly over to Europe, you may have a couple of stops. But yeah, that was that was actually so nice. Oh my gosh. The business class lounge in Frankfurt Airport. I miss you. <laughs> I miss business class on the flights. <laughs> well, that's true too. And it was so funny because you know the, the the flight crew knew we were filming for the airline. So they're like, hey, do you want to come up and sit in the seats? I'm like, um, yeah, we'll get you know a photo op. And then the pilot was like, Hey, Rob, so press that button. I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, no, no, no. And turn this knob. I'm like, are you crazy? I'm not going to mess with anything. I'm going to sit here with my hands in my lap, not touch any of the controls. So even though they're not flying direct to Frankfurt now, because basically we can't go to Europe, I do know that those direct flights from Tampa to Frankfurt will be coming back. And what I want to do is I want to go back there with like our friend Bob from our friend Bob that was in our show. He was very instrumental in the marketing of Hooters since day one. 
and his wife is from Germany. He was stationed in Germany. I want to go back to Germany with people that speak the language and know everything because that would be fun. Yeah, we had a great time though, regardless. But the key is next time you're looking to book a trip, check for nonstop flights. And if you're not sure where you want to travel, consider doing a search based on where can we get on a nonstop flight. And that's something we tell our clients. They say, well, we just, we, we want to get away. We don't know where. It's like, well, what type of vacation do you want? And then based on that, we say, you know what, you just want to get away, you know, go stay in the mountains in a cabin, or you want to go to the beach, then choose the destination where you can fly direct. Because I can tell you, we just hate connecting flights. Absolutely. And I want you to think about this. It's not just the cost of the flight. So let's say that a direct flight is 500 and a connecting flight is 450 So a $50 difference. But think about this. When you connect and you've got a little bit of a layover, you will spend more than that $50 in their shops or restaurants or bars. That is true. factor that in. Keep that in mind. As always, thank you so much for spending your very valuable time with us. And if you do have a chance, share Travel Talk Weekly with a friend, maybe somebody you want to go travel with. That would be really fun. Yes, thank you in advance for that. And remember this, it's a great, big, beautiful world out there. Get a trip on the books and go enjoy it. And never stop exploring. 